Welcome back to the Black and Raw podcast. I am your host, Tino Kader, Tondurai Vunzabaya. And I'm going to repeat that. Here's a podcast that's going the dialogue and the space for black men to be their most authentic selves. Now, my guest today is Vincent Champagne. And Vincent is a private investor on a mission to empower people to take control of their finances. And he is launching something which is very personal to him called Wealth University, which improves ordinary people's relationship with money and wealth. And if you want to get, if you want to be a part of Wealth University is going to be dropping on the 26th of December 2023. And as a business influencer, he is passionate about spreading financial literacy and inspiring others to reach their financial goals. And so I think you guys are going to really enjoy this episode. I really enjoy talking to Vincent. I think Vincent comes onto this podcast and gives so much information for everybody and so many nuggets of value that I think you guys are going to love. And everything that he talks about, he provides ex- he provides examples. And with those examples, I think you're going to be leaving this episode with a lot of inspiration in terms of how you can better your life. So I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. Please tell me what you think about it. There's going to be a question if you're listening on Spotify at the bottom. So go in there, engage with that. And yeah, I don't think I have much much more else to say to you guys. So thank you very much in advance for listening to this episode. And here is my conversation with Vincent Champagne. Vincent, welcome to the Black and Rural podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, very, very well, very well. Um, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, it's a great, it's a great podcast, it's a, and it's a good time to be in a podcast uh, industry and podcast business. There's podcasts growing every single day, so once you go over the fifty episodes, it's really good. <laughs> people, people, people drop out. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, I'm feeling good today. So yeah. I'm yeah. happy, happy to be here. No, yeah. bless, bless. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think there was some t- statistic that says like 90% of the podcasts don't reach 10 episodes. So I was just like, mm-hmm. make sure I hit mm-hmm. that and then just keep going. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, so I'd like to um I'd like to sort of start maybe at sort of the beginning of your journey, because I think it's a really sort of good way just to ground. Um, just to ground us, but also find out a bit more about you. Um, And so you were born in Nigeria and, you know, your parents were, obviously your parents were born in Nigeria too. Um, (laughs) So I just wanted to ask in terms of like, what were some of your like childhood experiences growing up in Nigeria? Yeah. Perfect. So yeah, I was born in UK. Oh, okay. (laughs) My parents were born in Nigeria. (laughs) And yeah, and then I just want before I start, I just want to say to your viewers at home, I hope you're feeling special. It's good to feel special all the time. So from my humble beginnings and how it started for me is I grew up in the UK, but I used to go back to Nigeria because my dad used to go back and forth. So uh grew up in the UK in the early nineties. Um yeah, it's a very it's a very cool, it's a it's a cool place, I think. Um there's a lot of developments now. It's probably a lot more easy now. Uh, probably a lot more diversity as well because I grew up uh, in London uh, and then I moved to Essex early ages between maybe about nine, nine to about 16, 17. So mm. there's a big difference from moving there, moving out to Essex and then Definitely. growing up there. So that, that was a big a big, big change. Um, but it was, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been really, really good. I've, I've had a really, I've really had a, a great childhood. Uh, had two older brothers, um, and just growing up watching them, they were like similar ages. So yeah. just watching, um, uh, fun times, 
uh, barbecues, uh, African part, Nigerian parties, holy communions, and all the of that shebang. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole <laughs> Someone's holy communion, and you're going to the community halls, <laughs> loads of foods. Right. So yeah, I grew, I grew up in a Nigerian household. Like literally, my house was like Nigerian. And when I go to school, I'm in Britain. Yeah, it's a weird <laughs> so, conundrum, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So it's like even you discover things that uh, you do, you can't do. Some of my friends, some of my friends are English. Uh, yeah. Some of my friends Caribbean. Uh, they'll, they'll do things, uh, stuff with their parents, and they'll be like, oh, I can get away with that. Uh, You're like, no. That, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the ever where you could uh, phone up Childline and say, "Oh, I'm going to tell Childline on you." And your parents would be like, <laughs> "You'll be like, go on then. I'll, you ain't gonna do nothing." But by the time they get, to, I will beat you. <laughs> 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 so yeah, you know, it's just a, it's, a, it's a cool era. There's nothing nothing wrong with me. I think it was there's it's tough love, um, at high expectations, and funny. Uh, laughter and and yeah, just just a good time, just a good time being a kid before socials. I think I was probably socials was probably um, computer games. That's probably yeah. kind of. I think online gaming came in. That was the first of the first. I think and yeah, you just you literally just play out. You used to just play out for the day or play football all day, and then in the evening play computer games. So that was it. That's what you would do. That's you guys, nice. yeah, you just play out. It's not even a thing where. You know, obviously you had phones, obviously our phones in there, but you know, I remember that like, I was going through like some of the phones, like, and that phones are crazy to like, like Nokia 3310, Sony Ericsson, Russian Matrix came out, like your phone, you're paying snakes, like, it's like a brick phone, but you yeah, had contact. Yeah, yeah, I remember those ones. And even, even then, even having landlines, MSN, all of that, MSN, MSN's probably the first social network because. I remember MSN in school, you'd be typing, you'd be in the chat or adding. So yeah, so we've been on social media. That was probably the first form of social media. We didn't see it on social media, but technically social media has been around for a while. So the veterans of MSN, MySpace, all the others followed into Facebook. But I think um, they're the veterans of social media, I think. Yeah, those those were the original OGs. I I I, I was thankfully I was born in the ni- nineteen ninety eight, so I think I was coming up to maybe when phones were like still sort of because I do remember those Nokia brick phones. I remember BlackBerry, but that was maybe when I was a bit more older. But yeah. like I just remember like it not being a thing where you're inside on your phone, but like we were always outside, like we we're on our bikes, riding around, like always out. Um. I, I do I do enjoy that. I feel like maybe the kids now sort of miss out on being able to do do those things as well, which is a bit of a shame. Um, because you learn yeah. so much, like climbing trees with your mates, like and just socializing with everybody. Like I think there's a lot of little skills that you sort of learn without even thinking about it. Yeah, no, I think just falling over, like I think I think now children are worried about like raising the arm or something or having an injury or something like there's more there's a lot of like paranoia and I think I think now the only good thing I say about now can communicate with people a lot easier mm. like your I say your inner circle like you might know a kid from across the world now <laughs> but it's a bit like before there was a pen pal thing <laughs> yeah but that was like listen, there's, there's a difference but I do think going out I think if, if it was the same I think if they go out you could be connected more what you're doing outside but I think the problem with gaming now is is just the gaming 
it's crazy. So it's just, it's like, I, was, I used to imagine, because you imagine the job playing computer games. Like we used to have this in school. Like, oh, I wish I could play computer games all day. Like, imagine there was a job. Yeah. Play computer games. And he used to say, and all I teach them, like, no, it's never possible. It's so silly. It's a job playing computer games. Or you're a gamer. Are you... God, if I can imagine, uh, that is just like, that's the, that was a dream. Yeah, that was, the, every kid was like, yeah, bro, I could just, yeah, I could play games and get money for it. Like, <laughs> that, then that's just me. I can get all the new games as well and all of that. Like, I don't even have to worry about paying for them. I just get sponsored by someone. Yeah, that was a dream. That was a dream. And now it's a dream. And now it's reality. Yeah, now it's reality. Definitely. Dreaming. Um, so you you mentioned that uh you would all you'd often go back to Nigeria. Um, and I wanted to know, do you know much about sort of um your tribe and your history that um you're from? Yeah, so for me, um from Batako and River State. And it's a minority tribe, but it's the Ogoni people, so it's where they're always in the land. So I know my grandparents, my grandparents' ancestry all the way back to 2000 BC came from Ghana, effectively, mm. like, probably about 300 years ago to Nigeria. But effectively, yeah, we traced with, uh, yeah, a very interesting tribe. We avoided a lot of stuff, been by ourselves for a long time, uh, avoided slavery, avoided loads of stuff. So we've literally just been left alone. Uh, for a long time so <laughs> that's quite rare as well that's yeah it's very very rare so it's like um, a lot of people move even people from England used to move over there as well like a lot of people like from the church and they they would move there uh, and then they would disown themselves so they can live on the land like it's actually mm. crazy the land's beautiful like people so it's, it's been um, yeah had a lot of interest in history just learning about that learning about ancestry so for me um what was important and fundamental was I understood where I came from. And I think in school it was quite funny because people would be like, oh, you're from a village. And like, it was a funny, like, in school. But there's villages in England. When I think about it now, there's a village <laughs> in bloody, like, outskirts of London. There's a really little tiny village in in, in Hertfordshire or somewhere. <laughs> so it was like, it was like, oh, you're from a village. It's like, where was like, there's villages here. <laughs> Yeah, you just don't know what our villages look like. You just assume they're just just mud huts, but no, there's different sorts of villages, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that that was interesting. But I think I think growing up, I think it's just tough skin. Now. I think you just if you you would cast you cast back. Mm. <laughs> That's how it was here. So yeah, it was just one of those things. It was like there's banters and then, but then at the same time, it was um, I always say perception. An image, yeah, the fundamentals to keeping people in check, and I think they always they would show Africa in a different light to the kids on the TV for charities and things like that, and it just prevents people from going. And I think that's where it was. That's why it was very important going back all the time. Yeah, so, um, yeah, and definitely seeing your family again, like <laughs> being being like immersed in your culture and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm at, like it all sort of is good character building, isn't it? Too because like you know, if you know where you're yeah. coming from, if you know your people, um, mm-hmm. as you're saying, your people were never sort of involved in slavery or stuff. So like your culture's probably been kept quite intact as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have been able to pass down traditions and stuff. So I think it is really mm-hmm. really cool to be able to know 
a lot more about your history. I think I know a little bit about my about my tribe in Zimbabwe, but I definitely need to have a sit down mm. with my parents and ask more questions. Um, yeah, and uh, uh, it's interesting. And also, I went Pan African school as well. So I went what Pan was African that like? school on the Saturday on the weekends, and Pan African school is amazing because you're taught the history of Africa, then you're taught history from that to China, to, and you're just taught so much, and it's just like, it's so interesting. But then I had like, I had a good, they teach you European, they teach you all history, but they teach it in relation to Africa, so you find out how the inventions of things happening, that the Romans traveling over to Africa, discovering, uh, so that's when they discovered the, the toilet system, which was in Egypt way, mm. way back. So Africa was already, was already developed. There was so many things there. So they taught a lot of things to, uh, to the Romans that brought back to Europe. So Africa, a thousand years ago, if you really go back, it actually was the first world. It wasn't the third world. And there, there's a dispute on how can it be third world when we were here first. So there's so many little discrepancies that you discover. And yeah, Pan-African school was really, really good. It taught me about history, taught me about a lot of the kings, um, Timbuktu, one of the oldest institutions um, in the world today. Nearly one of the first universities um, as well. So there's a lot of history uh, from Sudan. There's a lot of history from pyramids. There's pyramids mm. in Ghana, um, even uh, Mali, uh, the richest man ever to walk the earth as well. Obviously, Was that the one that was like, giving out Mansa gold Musa. to everybody? Mansa Mansa Musa Musa, is the one, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of the ones. Uh, and there's a lot of other rich Mali kings they would come over. Then you have the Moors who there's there's history of of uh, the Moors going over to Italy and conquering. There's so much history, so many kingships, so many uh, interesting things. Um, even Angola, what is today the story? Netflix only recently done it, but the story of Queen of Jinga, where she fought off um, Europe for a long time. So there's so many different like kingships and. Uh, understanding a lot of that in history, understanding uh, about the chiefs, understanding that these systems were actually implemented later in Europe. So we've had kingships, we've had loads of connections to ancestry for a very long time. So it's just understanding that. And I think what's happened is the civil rights movement has been taught more than actually African was, history. Yeah, yeah, and that, yeah. that's where that's where we, where we get by now. Well, it's, things are getting more enlightened but yeah there's a lot there's a lot of uh, gems so many gems um, I, to know as well I think that's probably sort of a function of how um, of sort of I, I wouldn't I, I don't know if I'd say white supremacy but just sort of in terms of whitewashing history like it's yeah, sort of yeah. like okay no this is your history was civil rights and slavery like even just being taught in school like because someone has made mm-hmm. that curriculum up to be like okay you know there probably is more history but let's just teach them slavery and let's just teach them civil rights whereas actually like no as you were saying you know Romans came over to Egypt and I think I even have heard that philosophers were coming over to Egypt as well and yeah, learning yeah. from African philosophers and then going back to Egypt yeah. Going back to yeah, Greece yeah, and taking them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's loads yeah. that we're not told. Like, and mm-hmm. I don't know whether it's sort of like if the school system's like, oh, if we teach this, and they're going to feel empowered. I don't know. I don't know what the thinking is behind not teaching. Um, I think I think what it was is the fact that it was is that there was so there was Greek mythology effectively, and 
when you have theories and hypothesis, you have a hypothesis that you believe, and then you then end up going to, let's say you end up going to Africa, and then you realize, so there, there's been, what happens with history is that it's all to do with funding effectively, and mm. it's, all, it's all to do with discovery. So one of the greatest, I'd say, impacts of the British um, uh, British colony was the invention of guns. So gunpowder, single-handedly, which was invented, was invented by a German, actually. Yeah. But that was the single biggest discovery, which was then, okay, so I, I call it gun diplomacy. It's not the fact that people would say, well, they've even used a word like colonization, but you've used gun diplomacy and then you've used the church effectively. And even if you look at Christianity, we say, well, Christianity has brought things to Africa, but Christianity was in Africa way before it was in Europe. Mm. So people don't even know that. It's in Ethiopia, if you really go back. Christianity has been in Ethiopia a very long time. Islam has been in Africa a very long time. So these are theories that have also, I could say, that discovered this, that let's say history by the conquest of the Romans discovered this, but as the Romans have conquered most of the things, they're able to spread Christianity and call it being Roman Catholic. So, but if you really look at Orthodox, even Orthodox is is a, another form of Christianity, but it's an ancient text. So it's like there's different things. So obviously Romans conquered a lot of Europe. They, they've come to London, so there's yeah, a lot of influence yeah. there. But when you trace things back, you realize that everything technically was in the continent of Africa. And a lot, everything, most things were in the continent of China. Now China just coming back to what they were a yeah. thousand years ago. They've always been a very wealthy country, but it's taken them a while. So it's that history is kind of repeating itself effectively. Um, and then you've always seen the fall of different empires. So the Romans were like one of the wealthiest empires at one stage. Uh, if you look at it now, there isn't anything today. The British Empire, uh, Mali, was one of the richest empires of, uh, at least 2,000 years ago. We've got Mali today. It's totally different. So there's always mm, yeah. all of empires and, and things that are, I think that's, that's China's obviously coming back to uh, on their dynasty. So it just recycles and then there's more of a surge of sort of working with Africa, working with different. So there's so much history that hasn't been taught. And I think that's, that's, a, that's very fundamental and important. But once you know that, then uh, even sometimes a lot of people here don't even know their history. So a lot of people don't even know their history properly as well. Even mm. history of, uh, let's say, uh, the church, for example, the Church of England. People don't even know that that was created. The Ro- Rome technically was under, it was under the Roman Catholic Church. The in- English laws were under the Roman Catholic Church, but King Henry couldn't marry, uh, couldn't remarry again. So he formed his own church, but he always had to go to Rome if you wanted to get married or anything else. So there's so much history that people don't know. So that's how the Church of England formed, which is obviously the Queen's Church, but it was King Henry that formed it because he couldn't remarry well, another wife. <laughs> there we go. So, Simple, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I can just create a new religion if I... Uh, <laughs> a new spectre of a religion. Everything's the same. It's just... Yeah. They're the heads of the church, but it's exactly the same. There's no difference. There's more leniency in the fact, but if you... It is, like it is a Christian country, it's still, it's still a God country. Mm. That people don't realize. There's a lot of like we watch these coronations, we watch these ceremonies, but they mean something. 
that actually means something. So that's why I say it's very, very important. So yeah. people don't know, you might watch the coronation, you think he's doing this, but this comes from yeah, a tradition. Yeah. 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 And, yeah the, and a lot of these traditions go back to Egypt. And if we go back to some of the chief towns, there's different culturally things that are practiced. And a lot of things such as, um, one thing that people like to mention is, um, <laughs> they would say, uh, yeah, they would say like, so for example, they would say voodoo is, can be evil. But there were practices of this. These were just practices of, of the people. There's a lot of ancestry towards that as well. So there's a lot that you people don't understand. But if they really tapped into it, then they would they would they would get it. I think. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, yeah. yeah, I think there is a lot to a lot to sort of take from history and to know our own history. Um, because yeah, I think it can be it, knowledge is power, isn't it? I think if you just know what happened in the past you can you can reflect on the present i think more um creatively like even i i didn't learn this in um and this is about english history but i learned about the the tea wars in terms of the wars that they had with china because they wanted china's tea and china wanted yeah, gold yeah, yeah. and china wanted gold so then basically mm-hmm. england got the whole country hooked on morphine which is sort of mm-hmm. crazy um so you could probably even see there that China was probably quite a big power, but then there were disruptions. Like if you're getting your population hooked to drugs, that probably that probably is maybe a factor in why China's growth was maybe stunted at some point after being. Yeah, a- no, agreed, agreed. And I think the only thing because I've lived in China as well, so it's good to travel. I went on a gap year, and one thing which I noticed with them is they've never forgot history, ever. Mm. They've never forgot it. And it's very interesting now, because I remember there was a state dinner, because we've been trying to have that relationship for a long time. They've got the relationship with America, but we've tried to have the relationship for a long time. And I remember the Queen, I think it was David Cameron was Prime Minister at the time, and they invited him to speak, because what they... We have a good tactic once you meet the Queen, you banquets, you know. Mm. Most states like it. It's quite impressive for certain certain like leaders, effectively. And I remember, because I've lived there, because they don't forget that they would remember them. It's like, they know they're the power front now. And I remember he done his speech, but he done his speech in Chinese. And I said, and I, from that speech, because I know about international diplomacy relations, I said, they ain't going to get anything from that. And they, they're only, from that, I think they only got like a small taxi deal. They didn't, haven't had any good deals to this day with China. It's, it's still been yeah. a struggle. So they've never forgot that history. And they now, the effectively, they've realized with allies. So that's where the Brax movement is, where they're building an alliance with Africa, Brazil, India. Yeah, I've heard about this, yeah. So this is now, and the thing is that they've, the Silk Road is, it's a long road that's run from China all the way to Europe, which has been a big trade route. It's been around for thousands of years. And they've just been building this road. This road is now, it's always been developed. Mm. But now they're now putting their trade alliances and think if we can just, if we can bring Africa up and we can trade with these countries because the resources are there. And Russia, effectively, we just create our own economy here. And then the West have, we've got our, we've got our kind of, Europe and then you've got yours and then what are you yeah, going to do yeah. that way so that, that's where they're forming that, that alliance because they realise in history and sanctions and they've been taking the sanctions for a long time they've even built um, a lot of uh, I think um, 
there's a country that's going to get a nuclear facility. I think it is, I'm not sure if it's Zambia, but it's one of the countries that actually trying to get a nuclear weapon. Wow. They're trying to kind of facilitate it. So they're not, mess- they're not messing, they're not about. messing around at all. They're not <laughs> messing about. They're like trying to say, okay, we're going to, you know, if you want to, I'll find a country, but there's other countries that actually want. Well, it's not Ivory Coast, it's another country, but they have, they're quite wealthy, but they're trying to get a nuclear weapon. And, and also, even with, even with Africa, like Morocco and other countries like Libya, mm. Libya actually had done a, there's a reason behind them overthrowing Libya because he was actually, because it was a very wealthy country, he actually wanted to basically change the price of how they sell gold and make it from it was going to change it from dollars to I think he was going to change it to an, try and film an African currency yeah. and that would have destructed everything so that's why he, he was trying to get a, a union with Africa basically he was, he was spending a lot of money giving a lot of money to other countries to bring them up so that's there's a lot of politics as well when you when you deep get deeper into it so but now China's trying to say okay let's just do this because we if I can get these neighbouring countries up then there's so many resources and, and this have, is done. Yeah, this, this, well. this is the first time where people say people are worried about having a, these African countries having a loan. But I say this is the first time in history where at least you were given a resource. So you're given a loan. If you don't pay that loan back, but the difference is between our, I've got some apples, I'm just going to go take your apples and I'll give you no money for the apples. I'm giving you money for your apples now. Yeah, so yeah, you, yeah. If, you, if you blow it, you don't. So that's why I say when people say, oh, the way about China, I say, well, Technically speaking, you shouldn't be worried because there's a loan. Before there was no agreement. There was, we're taking the resources. We're going to benefit from it. You can't do anything. This is our okay. Let's give you a loan. See what you can do with it. So there's that's where that's the big difference between China and obviously your European history as well. Yeah, I think there is a lot. I've heard a lot about um, in terms about China and investment in Africa, um, which I think I think. So, the end of the day, the guy was saying, he was like, it's great that there is investment in Africa from China, but he was saying that we need African leaders to then put that money responsibly. Um, cause you're saying there's instances where you've had, um, projects that have been done, which don't really serve anybody, but then there are also really positive impacts as well. Um, so it's quite an interesting, um, it's quite interesting to see what the world would be like in a few years time or even a few decades when we've got China and Africa and India, because India, I think, are the largest population now as well. So yeah. like they're grabbing large continents, large amount of people, large amount of resources. And um, also they they sent they've sent they sent a rocket test trial to um to space as well. That's yeah. the first ever so and it's never been, it wasn't even reported. <laughs> I didn't even how know how crazy that. how crazy it is. They sent a, it was a, about a year or so ago. They sent a rocket to space. Oh, the test, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. And you, you got to think about. It. You got to think about. There's a nation of Indian people who saw a rocket go. So talk about it. Look at that in the terms of science. What that does. So there's a lot of um. There's a lot of changes going on. I think. I think there's a positive, and a negative, and and also, even with European history. I think people need to realize that we've only about a hundred years ago, Germany and Britain were warring. Europe had been warring each other for a long time. The kings mm. and queens had been warring even cousins over land. So 
we need to understand that for a long time, it's not like we have to say, yeah, it takes a while to get things in agreements in place. And another reason why um set up the European Union, which was was which was the United States plan, is because they never wanted Germany to ever have a chance again to ever try and take over another country. Because yeah. of what happened with that World War II, that's the whole point where they put agreements in place. Germany to this day are not allowed to have nuclear weapons, army, nothing else. Oh, wow. To this day, that's why. But they are like, they're still very powerful in the union. Yeah. Because, because of the resources. If you really think with Germans, one thing that they, they are taught and they're very rigorous is engineering and mathematics is one of the crucial topics for German. And if you read that from the cars, from everything, so they, they hold that. And that's why I'd say they're very, they can be very creative, but that power has been taken away from us. That's obviously what happened with World War One and Two. Yeah, definitely. Wow, that is interesting. Um, I'd love to uh, pivot a little bit as well, um, because obviously history is not the only thing you know about. Um, yeah. you, you you studied law and uh, you you are a corporate lawyer as well. Um, yeah. And so I want to know what it was like life as a corporate lawyer. I know we we see the shows and the suits, and you know you're meeting big people. But like, what's <laughs> what what's, what's it actually like? Especially being in London as well. You know, there's a financial hub of the world, maybe yeah. potentially. Yeah. So I think personally, what I, I say is important, and uh, one thing I'm launching, so in the end of December, is uh, introducing Wealth University. So. The reason why I'm launching it from being a corporate lawyer and working in private world is I think what people need to understand and one thing I've been taught from my mentors is that life is a movie and business is a game. And how you play business affects your movie and how you live your movie affects how you do business. And the reason why I'm going to explain this very simply is because why I say life's a movie is that we go out of our house, we go to work, we have a day out. That whole day is a movie. So you might wake up in the morning, whatever you do, whatever decision you make, say your 24 hours that you get. I, I go to work, I might be stressed, I come home, my partner goes to work. You've lived a movie outside and you come back home and then you tell about your day and you reconnect. Even children going to school, it's a movie. Because when you go to school, you don't know what your kids gone through. Did they get bullied today? Is it the first day of school? So there was a big deal when someone says your first day of school was like a very big deal for parents because that's the first time they're going into a new environment. Mm. Now, when I say business is a game, is that everything, life in business is a game. So, for example, corporate, there's a game in corporate. So working in, as a, in a corporate game, there's rules to this game. There's a game if you're going to be an entrepreneur. There's a game if you're going to be a musician. There's, there's a game for every single thing and you have to understand how to play that game. So for me, becoming a lawyer was was one third of the plan, but I have to, I have to understand of how the game works. So for me, how I went into corporate law is when I was 18, 19, I basically, I used to go out a lot with my friends because I went, I went to a private school. Mm. I used to go out with my friends. We used, you used to go out with just to enjoy and I used to go clubbing a lot and I had someone I knew who owned a nightclub and we used to go out a lot and then he realised that we spend quite a bit 
And he's realized, oh, how can I get these guys to keep coming? So he, he gave me a proposition. He said, if you can bring someone, anyone you turn up with, mm-hmm. I'll give you 50 pounds per person on the door. So he gave me that proposition. So mm-hmm. I used to just go out with my friends. I used to go out with like 10 friends. Yeah. So like literally 10 friends, that's 500 pounds. So I done that one night and then I realized, oh, wow, I made this amount. So then I was like, what if I could just monetize this? So then that was the early era of Facebook. So then I used to go out with my friends. I used to go out with people. I used to get their birthdays and I used to do the birthdays. I basically become a promoter mm. effectively. So then I was doing that for him for a bit, making quite a lot of money. And then I then, then I negotiated an equity share in the club. So then I ended up getting an equity piece of the of, of a nightclub run that done that for about two years to 20 um and i was i was doing six form as well doing both very hectic fair enough yeah it sounds very hectic and i had a gap here and then what happened is the relationship broke down there so i sold my share and then i had a lawyer and when i sold my share he advised me he said to me it's quite a lot of money and he said that you've got two options i can give you this money you're more likely you will blow it or you might know what to do. You're already always said, I can put this in the trust and you, this will, you'll be able to access this when you're older, like a certain age, like in your thirties or whatever age, or left it to late thirties. So I said, okay. And then I said, okay, well, I realized how much I paid him when I done the deal to sell my share. And, I, and it actually pissed me off because the amount of money I had to pay my lawyer, it's like, I paid you this and all you had to do was a bit of paperwork and that really pissed me off. Yeah. And I was like, I want to, I need to be in that, I need to be that because I, I, mean, I, I, was, I was working really hard. I had the account, put everything together Yeah. and then he just comes, he was a good lawyer because he told me about trust. But then I said, okay, I, 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 I want to go to university, I want to become a lawyer. I, had, I said, okay, you can go to university uh, and become a lawyer. So that is where from there, that's where I said, okay, I want to be a lawyer. So that's the reason why. So we even even in sixth form, I done A levels in law. I was good at law anyway. Had other things, um, sciences. I thought I wanted to be a doctor, but after that incident, I yeah. said, okay, I want to be a lawyer. So then that is how um, I went into the to the legal game. But what I, the important point for for making it in corporate is that when I I say to people in university now. And this is why Wealth University is important when it launches because it teaches you the corporate game. But I'm going to break down a few things, which is very important because I'm going to say to universities is that education system is only setting you up to try and get a job, but it doesn't set you up. So the real game starts when you finish university. And this is the same with school, college. You're basically in the program with other people at the same level. But when you leave, that program, that's when you're competing against other people. And that's where the that's where the game starts. So for me in university, I always had mentors. So do you you're gonna have to have an alternative to education system because they're not gonna teach they can't teach you how to get a job, progress in your career and make partner. There's mm-hmm. no formula for that. They teach you how to get a degree to get the job or get a chance to participate in a graduate scheme interview for the job. But there's no structure to how do you play this game to exceed so one thing with having mentors is i learned the legal game when i was in university so i spoke so i knew where to go so for example i, I used to do mini pupillages volunteer um for work experience mm. and 
that made me discover, I thought I wanted to be a barrister, but then I'd done work experience, becoming a barrister. And during that time, legal aid, they were just cutting legal aid. So those opportunities, so one of my barristers, one of the mentors, one of uh, the at Stoke-on-Trent Chambers, and I was, he asked me, oh, he was a really good guy, he asked me, oh, what do you want to do? And I said, oh, and I said to him, I just want to make loads of money because lawyers make money. And he laughed <laughs> at me, but he said, no, but like, a million ways to make a million pounds. The legal mm. field is just one of them. There's yeah. other ways. And he said, but the game that you, the game that I played, you can't play that game anymore because the game has changed. And mm. then he was thinking, and then he said, then he said, you know, and he said, you know what? I remember my friend, and if I could go back in time, I would have been a corporate lawyer. I said, my friend makes so much money now. Oh, if I could just go back. And he said to me, then he said to me, oh, so do you want to, you if you become a barrister, you will get the title, you'll get the prestige. You're not going to get the money, mm. but if, do you have a family that will be able to support you and fund you through it? And then maybe eventually later on in your career, you can make a decent amount of money, not much, but you're going to have the prestige and the title because some people just, families want the title. So I said, I said, I do, but I, I don't want to be, you know, I'm a waste man. Just yeah, I don't want to be suffering. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so, I, so I said, I don't, I don't want to be that. So I said, no, I don't want to do that. So I said, it's about the money. So he said, he said, you know what? If you want to be a corporate lawyer, the corporate game, there's still lucrative. I can put you in touch with my friend as a corporate lawyer. Yeah. Uh, but, then, but then he said to me, and he asked me, what are you doing in university? What grade do you want to get? And I said, I want to get a first or two one. And then he said to me, but how, does your teacher know that? And I was like, no, I'm just going to work really hard, make sure my essay's fine. And mm-hmm. he said, then he stopped me. said, no, no, it's marking your assignment. You are just a number in the student system. You don't. You, if you don't communicate, how do you know? How do you know your teacher? Want, your, your teacher knows you want a first. So he said, you need to talk to your lecturers. You need to tell everyone you want to get a first. They can help you get a first. It's about relationships. Yeah. So he, he told me that. So from that, I was like, oh, he said, life's a game. You're a student number. You're competing against a hundred other students. And so I'm going to let you know a secret. The university only have a certain number of firsts they can give, and there's a certain number of two ones they can give, which really? is favourable. Exactly. So because it's to do with funding, depending on what university you go mm. to. So there's funding targets. So he taught me that. So I was like, oh, wow. I realised that. So I said, okay, let me talk to my teachers. So I built the relationship with my teachers. Then I want a first. And you don't, they don't, they can, mm-hmm. they can't show you, but they can help you. So I, I, I said to him, how, look at my summer. How do, how do I get, what can I do? You know, what does it look like? And he can say, okay, this paragraph, edit this, you know, work on this part. And then he gives you tips and pointers. And yeah. you can show some assignments. I show my assignments to my teachers all the time. I used to buy them gifts. I used to buy them um, uh, Christmas gifts. So every one of my lecturers knew my name on first name basis. They know, they know Vincent wants to get a first. Yeah. Every single time. And then two one, and I've got a first on some of the modules. And it's very rare that you, you can get first on certain modules. So, one thing when you're obsessed with something, I, I, I read this book. It was called by Richard Sekinder, and it's called Tomorrow's Lawyer. And this book was the future of the legal profession. And I read this at university. And, I, and there, was some, there was a hidden gem in this book. And this is why I say information is really key. And the information I got from the book was that the legal field is going to change. These, you have, usually in the legal field, you have top law firms, 
Mm-hmm. We call them the magic circle. Yeah, I've heard of those circle. before. Yeah. And they're the top, they build a height. Everyone wants to get into these law firms and they're very hard to get into. Now, I'm going to go back a step because to remove every form of privilege for me when I make it. So I went private school. I enrolled myself, enrolled myself in a normal comprehensive school because I didn't want people to say it's because what school he went to. I got into Oxford on my A-levels I didn't want to go to Oxford. I said, I don't want them to say it because I went to that university. So I'm a bit wired, a bit different. I said, when I make it, they're going to tell me there's no privilege they can say it's because of that university. So I went to Staffordshire University, so I made it harder for myself, but I knew I've had to, I have to play this game right. So what I noticed when I read the book was that the legal profession, they're going to, there's a new license coming in three years time. That's when I'm just about to graduate. And it's called, ABS is called Alternative Business Structures. They were going to now allow a license for investment firms, the big four accounting firms, other businesses that they can now provide legal services. That's mm. going to disrupt the whole market. So now what I discovered this, everybody was chasing the big firm. I was chasing them, but I noticed I'll get to second stage and I can never get beyond that stage. All yeah. you get limited. So then when I read this book, I said, okay, if it's a big four accounting firm to get this ABS, I'm just going to go there. And and at the time, everybody would look down at the ABS. Lesson, but the big four, they're the, as competitive as the top magic circle firms and the US firms because they've got the, they're the big four. They've got the big four clients anyway. Yeah. And big money. So from that information, I decided to go and I started at PwC. That's where I got my training contract at PwC. And to get to that step was a process because I finished university at a time where it's very, very difficult uh, to get a job. I think in, I think that was the recession happened then. I think it was a, it, we were just recovering from one. So there was okay. no, it was hard to get a job. And I said to myself, I leave university and I'm going to get a job. I'm going to get a graduate job. I don't care. I just need to work because you don't want to be trying to wait. So my first job ever that I got when I finished university, it was a business analyst job. And it was with the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea. Now, they even finessed me because employers started finessing people, putting graduate. There wasn't a graduate job, it actually was uh, a job. <laughs> and there, was, there was graduate schemes. Little had a graduate because it, it was dead, it was a market, and the government needed people to go finish yeah. it. So we started, we started, this was the era we started getting fake graduate jobs. So there was to say graduate scheme, graduate scheme, because graduates are hungry wow. for a job. But that, but that was the best job for my life to start because being a PA to chairman, um, she was like the head of the environmental department, but she was the chairman for Chelsea Football Club. Mm. That was a big connection. So when I started with her, one thing I I respect from her is that she taught me how the office works. So she won my first day, we had a meeting and she said to me, you are going to be my eyes and my ears when I'm not around. I want you to know every single information about my team. You need to know what they drink, what they've done on the weekends, and you're going to report everything back to me. And you're going to be a neutral person. You're not going to take sides. You're not going to do office politics. You're just going to be that cool, friendly person in the office when I'm not around. And you're going to sit at my desk when I'm not around. And you're going to report this back to me. And I I, I built the relationship with everyone. She knew all this information, but she was just testing me. Mm. I said, yeah, that's good. And so from that job, everyone's always watching you. You represent me. So I need you to be that face, that nice face. But don't say anything, just be normal. And then you're yeah. going to see how people are. So I learned I learned how the politics, and so from that job, 
I realised, and, and then one thing I didn't notice about that job is that that job was here, they will get a new intern. I didn't know that because I lost that after a year. But I was trying to get my training contract. I was lying, trying to get them up. So mm. what happened to me is I lost that job and I, I had a month, but I had my training contract interviewed. I had to get the training contract. Like there was no other alternative other to get another job, but to get the training contract. And then that was the, I had to go through an interview process, a practice, everything for the training contract. Like I always say practice makes everything. And I practiced, I've, I've learned the whole, the, the PwC have these five guidelines. I learned them back and forth. And I used to say it every sentence. And I've done three stages for the interview. I passed them. And I remember in the interview, when I met the partner, they said this, I've never seen someone perform so well at interview ever. And yeah. it's very important that you learn how to interview because interviewing is a skill. And I used to go to interviews all the time. Like for jobs, I used to just go. And one thing that I say to grad, to people working, you should always be interviewing for a job. People interview at the wrong times. You can, when you're in a job, it's the best time to interview to get their next position because you have leverage. You don't, you're not in an urgent need. Yeah. And you don't have the desperation. So some people wait. I'd say you can wait six months to a year and take that position. But people don't realize. And I'll, I'll say to people, when you're at work, figure out what your manager's doing. Ask your manager. You're going to have to do extra work. But you need to find out what your manager does. So ask your, even ask your manager, what do you, what do, you do? Because I'm, I'm inspired to do what you do. What do you do day to day? What do you do day to day? You're going to jot down everything the manager does and all you're going to do is you're going to volunteer and help them out and do the stuff, help them for extra support, and you're going to do their job. And then once you've done that for six months, you can now put in your CV, you've done a management, you've done the management role facility, and you can apply for a job and get the manager job. And then you're going to do that when you get to director. You're going to, do it, you're going to continuously do that, and you can just basically skyrocket your career as soon as possible. So you can do, I say, within two, two years, new position. That's the maximum. You can move position within six months to a year yeah. if you always interview. And so for me, a lawyer, the first thing, first game, I had to learn the corporate game. And it's, and I already had experience from working with Kenton and Chelsea. So the corporate game was first person in the office, last person out. Go to work, drinks, know who you are, you're polite, dress, your image is the most important. You are a brand. Mm. Go to work. And some people go to work and they be themselves. I say, say, this is why actors are the best people in the world. I'm not saying the full street, but an actor will go into a role and he'll play that character. So whatever you want to be, you have a first chance. You have, you have the time to be an impression. So you might have, some people, sometimes you grow up in school, some guy might have been a snotty kid in school or whatever happened in uni. You can now go to work, create the person and you revamp yourself. Yeah. And revamp yourself. So I went in when I went to the corporate game, for legal, I was a smart guy. So for me, I always had three piece suits. I had three suits. It was early. That's the first impression. So I used to work, I, was, I used to work first one in. People just say, Oh, you're always early. And then your first six months, you can create an impression. You yeah. can then go back to normal after that. But you're you're already creating this impression that you're always early. It's it's like a program. People just programmed in their brain to think that way so I used to get in early I used to have three suits um, I had a power suit which is a pinstripe suit so I asked what I did I asked the partner this is what I did when I first you ever interviewed the partner when you start before you start mm. and he, I asked him a question I said to him first question I said to him is I asked him, how did you make partner first 
let him, you know, blow some steam off himself. Then he told me, oh, yeah, my day, I used to be the first one in, last one out. Ah, oh, you know, it's changing now. People don't really dress. You always have to wear a tie. And the, the thing is, this information is important because although the organization has changed to being casual, mm. the people in senior positions are still old school. They still think that way. They won't tell you, question, it's like they, everybody likes a version of themselves. So I found that, okay, some people don't like brown shoes. So I said, like, okay, so I said, okay, great. I'm going to be smart. I'm going to wear a suit. Hi, impression. Got that on, got that right. So then favorable impression. Last one out. Okay, that's fine. What else? He said, oh, work drinks. It's all about, you have to try and build relationship with your peers and other departments. So work drinks is a really good thing that I used to do. So, okay, I need to go to work drinks. Okay. Even though I don't really drink, but I have to play this yeah, game. Yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he said business is done at drinks effectively because when you have drinks, you know that person, you get on. So outside the office, that's, that's where the real work gets done. Uh, that was the second. And then the third one is obviously your work has to be good. Um, and you have to have a good relationship with people and clients. Uh, so those are the three rules. So I learned those. Then I asked him, for me to become partner, because I've already done my research, what's it going to take? I already knew the answer. And he said, well, generally speaking, there are two ways you can become partner. Mm. Obviously, you can buy into the firm, which effectively you have to, that's by merit. You have to work your way and then you're going to get that promotion. You get, you get a, a right to try yeah, and then that's the way you get to partner, which usually people remortgage the house. And he said to me, "No one's ever asked me this question." Like he laughed, yeah. And then he said, "Okay, but it's really good." Like he was like, "Oh, I really respect that you're very, very focused on it." Then he said, "The second one, he said that if you bring in a uh, hundred million into the firm from a client, then that's another way you you could probably it could probably give you credentials to yeah, to then like, oh, he could be a partner. He he can do big money moves, yeah." Yeah. So I said. So I, then I said to him. So all I need to do is bring in a hundred million, and I'm become partner. He lost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I said, I said. I said. Okay. Cool. So who are the wealthy? The Russians. The Russians. That's what I said. So I said. I just need to get a Russian. Yeah. That was my mentality. So then what I done is okay. Where do these? Where do the Russians hang out? And this is where I say cost to life, and all like to see themselves. So what I would do is I had to move to an area. So obviously I've graduated, I've got a reasonable starting salary. Mm. But the important thing is I'm working seven days a week, but I need to bring in the clients. And now I'm in a top firm. And people actually want to be represented by top firms. The reason why people go to top firms is because you could have a Russian or Qatari billionaire, but they can't get their kid into a school because they don't have the relationship. Because relationships are important. So a lot of them have a relationship with a law firm. So yeah. a relationship with a property management service is a relationship business. England, actually, England is a relationship uh, country. If you know someone, they get you in. Like private members club, for example. You can't get into some private members club unless there's a recommendation from a member there. That's how it works generally in England, usually. That's why people use the big money will just buy, they might buy something and the lawyer will get them in the relationship or um, a property manager might have a relationship with someone to represent you together. So all it is yeah. in this world is there's always a middleman trying to represent you to get somewhere else. So a lot of people come to top law firms because we have the relationship with institutions. We have the relationship with the banks. With If you have you're represented by this person, it makes you look better. And another reason why people have representation, which is what your lawyer is important, is 
there are businesses and people test you with legal suits because the 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 legal game is just war. Legal one way to war someone. You can just give someone a suit because you've got money and you could probably win. <laughs> yeah. And, just... and you could bankrupt them. No, literally, that's how it works. That if you ma- the amount of suits that you get every single time, that is, is war. So I'm used to like, I used to, we would get, we'll get like copyright, infringement, every single thing. And, and since if you're managing a corporation that's around the world, mm. you might be doing business in Nigeria. Someone's trying to do something there. You've got to sort them out. You've obviously got a representative, but you're literally working. And when I worked in private world, every day, or when you have big businesses around the world, you're, you're looking at who's trying to do this. There's different structures. But getting back to, to the point, so I needed to find a Russian billionaire okay. and bring him to the firm. So getting a Russian to the firm, I was representing And one thing I'll give to him, my mentor to this day, is the relationship you have you have the relationship with the client because they see you. They don't really care about the firm. They care about where you are. Yeah. What happened for me is that when you, one thing when you're, when you want to qualify in law is that you've got two years and then you have to find a seat. So you do other seats, you practice. I wanted to be an M&A, but I couldn't get an M&A seat. I was going to get an employment seat. So you, either there's two options, you're going to move firm or I have to stay, I'm an employment lawyer. But one thing I had the relationship with my, my client is I told him my situation and I said that you should stay with the firm because mm-hmm. I'm not going to get this seat. And then he was like a very serious guy, Russian guy. He said, forget the firm. He said, F the firm. That's what he said, but I won't swear. Yeah. He said, I'm with you. So wherever you go, okay. I go. Wow. Now I've, I've got leverage. So now I can go to Deloitte, the opposite. But then I, re- then I thought about it and I thought, you know what? to your side and represent you because I thought how much do you pay this firm I know all the information so mm-hmm. what if I just manage I represent you because you can become a family office manager so what if I man- represent you I do a contract I'll be a contractor to you get all of this we can still go back to PWC or we can still go back to wherever I'll hire the firm but you're going to employ me so now I went back to the firm to say this is my client now I'm on the other side of the transaction. I am now effectively. Wow. And then I ended up doing PwC. I didn't even go with any of them because it pissed me off. Why get him back? I thought, and he stuck with me through that and for that. So then, and, but I ended up, one thing what I did do, I ended up being a contractor because I realized, I asked, part, the first question I asked him is that if I become partner, what will happen? And they changed the rules of partnership. Before, you would get equity in the firm. Yeah. And then, that's where you can make like a good million, two, three million a year. That's that mm-hmm. was the lucrative point of being partnership. But they changed the rules that you now become a salary partner. So you just get a higher salary and you don't get any equity. Oh, so no. I already knew that. So it I doesn't said, change based on what's coming through, isn't it? Well, the maximum you can get is a certain amount of money, but that's not enough for me. It's not going to be enough. So I'm going to work my whole life just to get that figure. So I said, no, I don't want to do that. But mm. then I realized if I worked as a contractor, I can make more day rate. I can just contract. And then that's when I, con- I worked with him. And then I, then after that, I worked with him for a year, sorted out all of his stuff. And then I just become a contractor. And I, and I, and I started contracting. And, I've, and I contracted all the way throughout my career. I never went back to um, a nine five as in typical. So, but when I worked as a contractor, then now I get more 
experience. So I'm starting, I'm going into organizations, so I'm restructuring them. Yeah. I'm going into them, I'm doing deals for them. I'm doing they're looking at they look at you as an expert. They treat you different. You're independent. And I realized that. So I, that was very lucrative for me. But I learned that that from that experience, I learned that game. Okay, contractor. So the quickest way you're gonna make quite a bit of money is being a contractor. And I've got like 20 jobs here, which I'm going to share with people at the end. No degree needed for some of them. You actually now have got the opportunity. In the, and I always say to people, if you grew up in the Western world, the privilege that you have, there is no excuse. Mm. And I repeat it because there's opportunity. And the standard of living nowadays is the highest that we've ever had. And the reason why, as much as people do blame the capitalist system, system works, but it's about the infrastructure. You need to know how to operate within this infrastructure. And one thing which are, are, which is very important for me, which I want to establish, is they don't teach you about the infrastructure. And in this discussion, I would tell you the basics of this infrastructure, how it works and how you're going to operate within it. And once you know how to operate within the infrastructure, that's when you can then build wealth, do what you need to do, take care of your family, have to know how to work in this infrastructure, but they don't, they won't teach you it. That wealthy have been operating there for a very long time. And I've I've realized different things when I've represented the wealthy and worked as a trustee, which is protecting someone's wealth, growing someone's wealth, and transferring their wealth. So these are three things that are important that you have to do um, as the wealth manager or family office manager. Um, so they, that's what I've learned. And when I've contracted, so working as a corporate lawyer, yeah, there were there were great benefits. You have access to Probably most things. It depends what you if you use your benefits. So there was one yeah, thing yeah. called um, it was like a membership service. You can get access to like any nightclub, any private members club. Wow, you get so many things. That's kind so of cool. I that is, a, I can't lie. <laughs> so that, but a lot of people don't. Oh, you get shopping there. But I, I discovered that. So I used that. I used to go to a private members club to access. So for me, what I was doing was building a brand, spending money to get the relationships because a lot of people would. I always say to people that sometimes the cost of life and the reason why it's important to understand this and why I say you need to understand the infrastructure is that people look at renting and look down on renting. And I always say to people that can be an advantage and you should use your early 20s to build your income. And then if you want to get the mortgage, get the mortgage. Mm. But you need to know what you're doing because a lot of people get the, the, the system is built and the reason why I say the banks have the infrastructure, it isn't built for your benefit. A lot of people know this. People trust the banks. They trust the investor agent. These are individuals who are, have a competent interest, which has a monetary value. So your bank make money. People don't understand the fundamentals of money, but I'm just going to break them down quickly and simple. And the wealthy understand this. And if they don't understand this, as a trustee, you have to teach it to them. So yeah. the first fundamental money, which is free rules, is that we can't create money, so it cannot be created. We can only take money. That's the first stage. So everyone takes money. Either you work for a corporate, either you provide a product or service to an individual and you take the money from there. Mm -hmm. But that's the only state you can do. You can take it. So anyone can make it go out to work. The second stage, I'll call it the interstate, is that there's a holding on to stage. So when you make the money, nothing's done with it. Done anything with it. It's into, it's, you're making it. Yeah. It's transferring it. 
Now, transfer stage, stage where make you're gonna it's where I call it investment. So you transfer it. So you either spend the money, that's one transfer, or into something that starts again. Or you transfer it as in you transfer it to a loved one, like a trust. Yeah. But there are three stages to money. That's that is it, it's that simple. So everyone makes it somehow and everybody onto it, which is when it comes into you, and then we all transfer it. So we transfer it, obviously we have to pay for rent, bills, but that's it. And that's that is yeah, the basics, the fundamentals that people need to understand. And then once you want to understand that, there's a different I'll have episodes which I do social media. I have one episode called the money game. I'm just gonna quickly go through it where and fundamentals to money as well, which I which I, I can I can go through as well. And and there's there's technically three uses that you can use money for uh, effectively. And once you know once you know those, then that's fine. But I'll go through those a bit later. But that's that is the importance of money. And if you just go onto my YouTube shorts, I've got the money game. It's an episode you can watch, and it just teaches people the basics and the fundamentals. So back to the corporate law. Yeah, that was yeah. a great experience. Um, going to court, um, representing institutions from Goldman, doing Goldman, Goldman Sachs, Sachs, David yeah, Morgan. Yeah. Um, We've all heard of those boys. <laughs> uh, CMC, CMC Capital Markets, they were a spread betting firm. I go for them for 100 million. That was my first week at PwC. They Fair gave enough. me responsibility. Um, but literally representing them, relationships, asset management firms, just so much. But the work, the work is 80 to 100. If you really want, if you're really serious, 100 hours a week. Wow. I used, to, I used to work seven days a week because I needed to get up. So I would do my work. I would do my manager's work. And one good thing about working um, as well in a, in, a, in a top firm or top corporate is the entertainment budget. It's amazing. So mm. you're encouraged to go out. You have budgets. So we used to have we used to go to Smith and Wolinski for steak. We had like a 300 pound or 400 pound budget per head sometimes. So we, we, have, we, have, we have to go out. That's, it's just all networking. They yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what you make your deals as well, isn't it? They make you work hard, but they have to give you something. So they give you mm. this, you get finance for car, everything, every single thing. That's one crazy. thing I'd say, which was, which was really good, which I made use of, is that when you get bonuses, and this is important, and I'll and I'll go back to why I say the cost of life, why renting is important, is that as much as we want to be individuals in this world and want to work and try to do everything for ourselves, you need other people. You need to leverage other people to get to where you need to go to. So mm. sometimes I'd say to someone, even though it's difficult and we all start somewhere in life, where we end up is on our decision. And the reason why I say it's very important and why London is one of the best cities to live in, and I've lived around the world, and what I mean as in privilege, why London is great, is I say to people, sometimes quantity is not important. Sometimes quality it's more important. And the reason why I say it is you live in one of the best cities in the world. You might be able to afford that restaurant for one night or afford that hotel for one night. But if you experience that, 
you would trick your brain to figuring out how the hell do I get back there because I've experienced it. So sometimes I say to people, don't go out every weekend and go to a pub because you're going to do the same thing that everyone else does. Yeah. You can you can go to a, a nice restaurant. You don't know who you're going to meet. And you don't even have to do much. You can go and buy a drink and just drink there. So how I was able to network, I used to go to make I used to go to Bulgari Hotel before everyone knew what it was. I just done my research. I used to go there for drinks. I used to go and the thing is people know when you're new in a community. Yeah. But when you go Dinner, waiter knows if it's your birthday celebration or is it just casual local and then I went to this hotel I used to go for drinks all the time you start seeing faces you start becoming a familiar face they start seeing you and seeing you so then I, I know the guy that owns a shop over here then I get a relationship I know the, the hotel person knows who I am the doorman knows who I am I'm talking to everyone so when you when I roll up now they know who I am uh, yeah like a star service so I'm like hey, and I talk to people like how you do everyone some people talk to like you don't know who's who and the reason why I say it's important because I, I had this one woman she was a lovely lady and she used to wait she was a waiter for a long time but her son chief executive for Tesco at the time wow whole nicest woman and she's oh yeah my son and he, he used to mention me yeah? I said oh you're being nice and they were Spanish, by the way. Mm-hmm. And then introduced me. So I listened to him. And he's heard about you. Oh, you're so put. And he's a chief. And then we have the relationship like that. Yeah. So nice. He said, Oh, yeah, my son's this. Bam, bam, bam. And he just, he likes to work. You just don't know. And I had that relationship. And it's a relationship. It's a relationship game. So when I go out, I meet this person. I used to meet that person, meet that person, use exchange cards. And the thing is, people just assume if you're in the same space, they just assume you're meant to be in a space. You don't have to go home for each other, but you have that relationship. You just have it. And if and if yeah. you you got that, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. They tell you what they're doing. Then you exchange. So what happens is, if you go out to these new places, you're going to meet the right person. You're just going to meet them. You're out there all the time, and then that helps you with your business. You want to launch a business. You want to launch this. They have. He has a contact. He has a contact. You always say you make you might you might be five contacts away. Yeah, do something for you. So that's mm. why I say it's important that bring the money extra. If you go like people, if you haven't flown business class, it might cost you extra four hundred pounds. But once you fly, at least you've got it out of your mind that I've done it, rather yeah. than the curtains over there for you. You <laughs> might spend that. You might spend that four hundred pound on holiday. Maybe stack it a bit more. But sometimes it's good to taste the levers. So, and my point on going back to is that in the right area. You'll get the relationship. So sometimes I think with renting, rent. I used to say just rent in the area, in the affluent area. Like for example, yeah. I used to renting. I just rented a studio or one bed, but I lived in the area, and then you walk there every day. You go to the shop, you go to the cafe. People know you live there, and then you start people start talking to you, talk to the person, and they know that your shopkeeper, your dry cleaner, your florist, they know. Yeah, they know what I want to do. So I talk to them. This is what I do. Hand them my card. They say this person. He was looking for this person. Bam, bam, bam. He's a lawyer here. And then you just build. I've just built relationships and relationships and relationships. And but that's this is for me learning the game. And yeah. that's why I say it's very um, uh, business. The game, life's a movie, and how you want to live your movie. So I say you can create the perfect day 
And that's what I do every day. And you, and you also get to go back to sleep. Imagine you do something today and you wake up and you get another day again. You can change your day and do something. Imagine you didn't get to do that today. You do that. And you can you actually can create the perfect day. Create the perfect week. Yeah. By trial and error. So no, that's as a corporate um, lawyer, is is I've learned so many, so many things. And it's really important that as a university student right now, or someone watching it, you need to figure out and always say, find someone in your field, two to three years in, not more than five, because the game would have changed for them too much. Mm. So if you're a graduate now, find a graduate that's working, maybe a a junior associate and talk to them and ask them how did they get in have the clue they've, they've done something and you can talk to them yeah, look at your CV Do, you, you can get a look at your CV yeah game experience and the knowledge isn't it yeah so that's why I say you have to leverage leverage that for me I knew how to do CVs um, anyway but I know how to interview and you have to learn the art of, and the most important thing is the art of storytelling way that you can get a job because you need to story tell your experience you need to figure out how and how i done got my training contract I, I i was obsessed i used to read there was this book here it's called the training contract handbook okay and it has everyone's story graduate at this firm that firm this firm that firm this firm and oh, has all of their stories that's interesting and, and like literally so like how they got in or how they found it like it's a it's a handbook and they publish it. I don't know if they still publish it every year. So when I realized, I looked at people's story. I was like, oh, what's mine? I need to figure out a good story that I can use. So what I done is I went to China. I went to China before mm-hmm. as a gap year, but I went there and done some experience. Um, I done like a paid, I actually paid to go to China. I paid 800 pounds. You go there and you work for three months. They give you accommodation and they give you like a legal and such and a business. Yeah? But I put on my CV China. And that during that time, China was where it was going to go. China was going to be where it was at. And I done and I done a business proficiency in it. And then when I went now, when I went to PVC, my CV stood out. It was China. Me about China, and I just said, "Yeah." And I separated myself from every single person, and mm. I got in. Everyone else was Oxford, Cambridge, top uni, me, Stafford University, but China experience. And my China experience was my branding. Fair enough, fair enough. So it's important. I think I think that sounds I mean that all sounds really good to be fair. Um and I think there definitely was a lot for um people to be able to take away from that. And I like how you said sort of try and craft your perfect day in terms of, you know, doing things which are gonna benefit you and having relationships with people and even as you're saying, sort of being kind to the waitress who had a son that was a, a Tesco executive, like and that's just even just that's just being kind, you know, just spreading a little kindness and you never know what's going to end up coming back to you, um, which I love, which I definitely love as well. No, I just think that I think people go through life. And the reason why I say you grew up in the Western world and it's important. And I'm, I'm going to say this because it might be controversial, but you grew up in the Western world and like, people need to understand. If you are, and especially if you wasn't born here, your parents born here, I mean, you're born here by your parents and they came, right? So I'm saying this, that every single person want to get here, you want to get here. So you need to, oh, do you want to change places with one of your cousins in another country? So if your name is, say if your name, if your name 
is Tunde. Do you want to change places with Tunde in Nigeria? If your name is Sarah, do you want to change places with Ji Ying in China? If your name's Abdul, do you want to change places with Farouk in your country? This is it's very, very important because I'll, I'll say this to people. Change places with your cousin because one thing my mum would say to me is that, okay, I'll, you can change places with... You can change places with one of your cousins once they get here. But I say you grew up here. The opportunity phenomenal. Mm. You just need to understand. You just go and train places with someone else. Do you want to train places with someone in Ukraine? Because there's someone in Ukraine dying to get here. Someone in Russia or someone in a, another country. So I'll say the opportunity is there. Like, just be grateful you grew up in the Western world because it could be a lot different if you grew up somewhere else. If yeah, you grew dude. up in somewhere like if you grew up in India somewhere like in just having an education for you to and I always say being grateful that you woke up in the morning like it's, these are small things I always say to people I used to do a wealth I used to say to people if I gave you a million pounds you'd be happy but if I gave you a million pounds and say you can't wake up tomorrow you're not taking a million so you are grateful for life it's not about the money and, yeah. and so you're getting up every single day but now you're getting up in the western world with a normal job you can still live a decent life. It's too easy. I always say to people, life is too easy now. We have the highest standards of living ever created. I can sit at home and get food delivered to my door from Uber Eats. <laughs> that's what I say. Life is too easy. And that's why I say it's too easy. I don't even have to leave my house. I can just sit down. I can get my dry cleaning collected. Yeah. My dry cleaning collected. I can get Uber Eats collected. I can get, get food a shop delivered. Food shop delivered. <laughs> I can get a personal chauffeur. Do you know what a personal chauffeur is? Uber. <laughs> yeah. Did, oh, yeah. It's a personal chauffeur on your, whenever you want it. You never think about that, you know, actually. Like, everything when we all think of personal chauffeur, like, you just sort of think of ultra rich people that has someone to drive them, but like, you do have someone to just come and Maybe drive it's a personal you. chauffeur. Yeah. On your yeah, phone. Yeah. Like, and whenever you want, it's not even he has to wait for you. Just like, <laughs> you can just you can go wherever you want. You can, you, you can even select a time for him. He comes. He comes. And he's yeah. polite. And you know what he wants? He wants a five star rate. So he's going <laughs> to give you a good service. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I just wanted to. I just wanted to ask you two more questions, um, um, and I wanted just to you to just give me a quick run in terms of what Wealth University is and what you're trying to achieve with Wealth University. Yeah, the ordinary person be extraordinary, and the reason why I'm creating Wealth University is because I'm sick and tired of these fake traders, and I need to expose them right now. I'm going to expose the system. Because what's happened now, barriers of entry to social media and Instagram in particular, and I've experienced this because I wasn't on social media for a while. I came on social media because I thought, I realized, okay, I wanted to, when I say life's a game, for me, I was playing a corporate game first. I played, let's say I played a nightclub game first. Mm. Then we went into the legal game. Then I went into the M&A private welfare, so working for the wealthy. That was another game. Then I discovered in that game that these guys, money, buy businesses, buy other assets, and they don't use their own money, they don't have to raise capital. So then I went into the contractor game where I represent them, raise the money, then I realized I can do it myself. So I went into my game where I, as a private investor, I put business together, put deals together, take percentages, done that game. Then I was sitting down and I'm just thinking, I was just on social media and I was thinking, guys, they don't even know what they're talking about. But I thought, you know what? University, this 
what do I know? This is when you have to think. When you need to, I'll say thinking is a skill. Like the power of thought, so powerful. Like people sometimes people don't think much now. They just scroll. Mm-hmm. You have to have like some time when you think. And the reason why I say thinking is a skill. I've had times in university when I I was I needed to make money. One summer, I need to give this story because it's important. There was one summer, and I always say, I need money. And me and my friend, me and my one of my guys, one of my main guys today, very successful. We need money this summer. He said, we need money. We need money. How can we get, and we're living in London, by the way. How do we get money? I was thinking, and it was like, and I looked at my hoover, I said, we're good. We, we think cleaners are shit in your halls. I said, let's be cleaners. Put an advert up on Gumtree. We'll clean your property because we know how to clean. We're very cleanly. Mm-hmm. And we'll just charge um, some money. And then what we've done, we've got a phone line. I've set this phone line. It's called Iron, Iron Cleaning Services. I put an advert up. And then I've got a phone line. And then I acted. Only two of us. So two people phone the phone line. And I'll answer the phone. And I'll be like, yeah, I've got two cleaners, mate. I've got, I've, I swear to God. And then they said, okay, I can send them. We'll go to clean the property. The person will phone the phone line back. Oh, they're so amazing. The soda's like, oh, yeah, thank you. And we started getting cut and we started charging. We said, you know what? We just charge £100 to £200 a clean. We're going to mm-hmm. iron your service, £200. What we done, we was, I was done like an accountant, a successful accountant, used to work for Ernest and Young. We're just cleaning properties in Gucci, everywhere. We will just charge you. We'll come. So for a whole day, we'll just go out and we, and we didn't even have any equipment. We said, we're cleaning for cleanliness. You provide us with a Hoover. You provide us with <laughs> wipes. You provide us everything. <laughs> and they provide us with the equipment. And we went to the house and we cleaned making about a grand a day. We split between each other. Just wow. from cleaning. We're just walking out. Bum, bum, bum. And we, because we needed money, we turned it into a business after that. We just started for a bit for the summer before that. But we needed some money. We just went and cleaned for the day. 300 pounds, 300 pounds. We went out. And the next day, then we got clients. We actually had referred clients. And then mm-hmm. we just we started, we just started so for one summer, so much money that summer. I couldn't believe my eyes. It was hard work. But then I just realized, oh, that's something I said. And I put Adam Gumtree and then we were busy. And then we started just turning down people. We asked them about their property. And we just turned them down. And then we and we had a set of clients. But thinking is a skill. So you Wealth University is about teaching you the different games in life. So for example, we have, there's 10 games what university teaches about. So the corporate games, so most people are going to graduate and they don't know these rules. Mm. Well, it teaches you about the nine to five. It teaches you about image. It teaches you all of these things. It teaches you about the corporate game. How do you get up in your career as soon as possible? So you're going to learn how to, you're going to learn every single thing is on the platform. This platform is an alternative to the education system because the education system doesn't teach you about how to pay tax. It doesn't teach you uh, about getting a job. It doesn't teach you uh, uh, how to business. It doesn't teach you about credit. There's so many things it doesn't teach you about. It doesn't teach you about a mortgage. Like, there's so many things, but the reason why, the, the system's not built for you to understand these things because you have to be a robot in this infrastructure. So yeah. what university teaches you, there's, there's, there's some games, the corporate games one. We've got operate like the wealthy. So this is teaches you about tax. This teaches you about trust. Teaches you how to structure uh, if you want to do business. If you want to raise capital or entrepreneur, teach you how to structure your business plan. Every single thing, aspects of that. There's a game called business flipping. So from an MA expert myself, I teach you how to buy businesses, raise capital, use minimum money or use none of your money. There's ways you can structure deals, but there's always a business owner. And the reason why it's, business flipping is one of the biggest ways where you can create wealth is that generation called Gen X, 
or boomers, the greatest transformation of wealth is going to millennials because the problem is, is that Gen X and boomers, millennials are not interested in businesses like there's loads of manufacturing, older businesses, chemical businesses. Mm. They, they can't transfer it. They need to sell it. And I've known this from working in private world, working for clients, buying their businesses, representing other people. I realize the gap. And that's how I went to become a private investor. But there's so many rules to this. And so most people think that they need to buy a business. They need to go to a bank and get a loan. But when you know about M&A, there's deal structures in place. The most, if you, if you look at any corporation, when they buy another corporation, so for example, the, there's two Asian brothers that bought Asda. They mm-hmm. own petrol stations. I don't know if any people know this. Um, Asda is something called a leverage buyout. They didn't use any of their own money and they bought Asda, the big conglomerate corporation. Wow. And it's called a leverage buyout. But in M&A, they teach you how to structure things. So you can use the capital, you can use assets of a business to buy a business. Mm. You can use the cash in a business to buy a business. You can buy a business on a payment plan with deferred consideration. You can buy a business on a mixture of both. You can buy a business, you can find an investor, use their money, give them a percentage. There's so many different ways you can buy a business. That's what M&A is about. It's teaching yeah. you how to structure deals. And it's how you approach the owner and there's, and there's a thing called seller finance, which is the same as when people use... Now, now we've got 100% mortgages. That's coming back. It's a bit like that. You buy a house with no money down and you pay, pay over time. So that's the big... If you can buy a business, that's the biggest way to build wealth because I always say to people, uh, established business, track record, it has making money and you want to buy them that has a management already in place. So all you're yeah. going to do is take over on the business. So... That's one of the biggest ways that we teach that. We teach property games. So I come from a property family, from my mom coming here and buying property. So we teach you how do you buy properties. And the property game, again, is a credit game. But you always say to people that using credit can be used to your advantage, but not many people know how to do it. So when you're buying things with credit, when you're buying a house with a mortgage, and there's, there's a bit of money left in the spread, you're refinancing that debt to buy another. So you, all you're doing is just transferring debt continuously and you either use that as a cash flow, or if you if your property goes up in value, then you can pull that out of the property. So yeah. you about flipping properties, rental properties. Obviously, there's different methods from doing care homes. There's so many ways to do money in properties. So we just teach you four strategies. And you also don't need to have own a property to make money from a property as well. So there's the thing going around. There's a big surge of things called rent to rent. But all yeah, it I've is is managing yeah. someone else's property, yeah. charging. But it's a it's a high volume game. It's all about image and how you do it. There's desperate people out there. If you can guarantee, I have a couple of properties where we do rent guarantees with people because we don't want to manage. They're just going to give me a fixed fee. They worry about it. But there's yeah. so many different ways. Even being even property management or being a um, we call them what are they called? Infantry clerks. There's so many different things you can do that people need to check. Like you can, that's the one infantry clerk is one thing you can do as a contractor. And if you're really good you can make quite a decent amount of money. So there's so yeah. many different ways. And, and we teach you about being a middleman. You don't need to actually, you can put people together and take a percentage of things. You need to find someone who wants to buy this and they want, and you, and they want you just connect. So there's so many different ways you can just connect people for things. We teach you that. The most important thing is mindset game. We teach you mindset game, which is teaching you, because I always say to people, one person I meant, uh, uh, a lady that helped get a dream job. Sometimes it's the mindset that you need to change. Because I remember she had a tech job. She was making good money, about 120000 a year. Wow. Her dream was, good money. Was, to, 
it was good money, but her dream was to do a new podcast. But she said she doesn't have time. So I said to her, well, you do. I said, okay, what do you do with your time? What do you do on the weekend? And then she said, oh, my friend. I said, no, but the weekend where you're going to work. So you're going to figure, on your weekend, mm. you're going to work on your plan. I always say to me, when you're, when you're part of a corporate, you are part of someone else's plan. So every corporation has a five-year plan. Five-year plan is staff. Ten-year plan. When I work now, I work as an executive director for um, corporations as well. We have a plan. We have a plan. Annual budget, part of that plan. So mm. You need to put your plan together. Now, you can work a corporate and, be, and have your plan. So you might use their money to do something, but you need to have a plan. So I said to her, okay, you make this money. You're never, ever going to be able to make that money the same thing for forever. So what is an amount of money that you can live off where you're not going to be too stressed, you can operate, and then you can still build a podcast? So she said a certain amount. I said, okay, she had two other properties that she bought. I said, okay, well, if you can increase, do you have space to get another property to increase your rental and just live off that certain amount? And then what you can do, if you drop your hours and then you've got the option to contract, save some money. So what I said, what we've done, I designed a plan. She's going to work for eight months. You're going to do both. But you're going to stack some of that money. You're going to get another property. You're going to, so you're going to have a, you're going to have at least a float of six months, just in case. And then you're going to set yourself up as a contract, just in case you need to go back and contract. Because what's the chance you get another tenant job? He said, "Oh, all the time." So, okay, so if you ever need the money, you can always go back. You can, yeah, you're, you're all right. So I said, do that, then you're going to be able to quit. Do the podcast. You're not going to quit and do the podcast straight away. You're going to do the podcast on the weekends for six months. You're going to do it properly. You're going to treat it like work every weekend. You need to make sure. We designed a plan. Six months podcast does reasonable. She's got another. Then now she's living her best life. She's not got the salary, but she's got other rental income. So now her work life balance. She's now better. working, developed that, and she's also developed and bought more properties. And she's now in in a different hemisphere. She's teaches teach. She's got some courses that she teaches them. So she's got now she's got businesses. She's got rental income. She's got podcast. Yeah. But from her mindset shift, I've changed her mindset to want to do something to do that so we always say it's all about mindset, it's yeah. mindset. That's, the, that's the most important game i can give to anyone else because if you don't have the mindset i can't give you the vehicles to operate within them i think you're in terms of yeah talking about um people's mindsets and changing your mindset um you just don't realize how much literally just changing your perception can change your life, isn't it? Like how you view things and how you do things differently. And, you know, as you were saying before, going into um, going into spaces where there are richer people. Like my mom went in, she she bought business class for the first time. Now she's like, I can't ever go back. Like, <laughs> she's like, I can't ever sit in economy class again. Because like well, now she's tasted it. She just, you know, you want that more. Um, so I do really think that's good in terms of what you're doing with Wealth University and trying to teach people the different aspects of wealth management, of creating wealth, but also changing your whole life as well to a certain extent. And, and also, wealth is not... I'm going to do an example, interactive example with you as well before I say this, but wealth is not making that amount. And I and I, I say it because wealth to someone could be I have a house, I have friends, like some two friends. He has a good reasonable job, good job. He has his house. He goes on holiday two times a year. He gets to see his kids, and he's the happiest guy in the world. And then I'll have a 
another friend who has a couple of business, multi-millionaire, but he would he would we would never the guy with the house and that would never want to trade places. My guy that's more he's miserable. Mm-hmm. But not like that, but he would never trade places. But my guy in the multi-millionaire would trade places with him. Yeah. So when we talk about wealth, have that aspect of life and be happy. So is is your perception of what wealth is? Wealth to, is to different people. So is is having a discussion that what's good for you because some people are, and one thing I need need to establish is that a lot of people look at someone's life and they think they want to be that guy. And I say to them, you can't be that guy. The amount of pressure, and there was there's, there was a study that happened where someone tried to live someone's life and they commit suicide. That the amount of pressure wow. it is to operate at that level and that scale. The average, I always say, the average person actually enjoys life more than your billionaire. Um, mm. And people and people think, no, he's got this. I said, look, he has a boat. He goes to that boat once a year for maybe a month or two months, let's say. But in those two months, man's doing work anyway. You don't have time and you don't have time. You have so much to manage that your day, you could probably just go back and have a holiday. But so much stuff, your man is the managing, the, the pressure, the, the amount of decisions you have to make, the amount of pressure that you have to do. He doesn't, he doesn't enjoy his life. He has a boat. He's not enjoying he, it. Yeah, He's not enjoying it. Has, he doesn't get to go out on his boat every day. He goes out for one summer. What he has to do, the amount of, and this is 24-7, 365 days a week. This, this is flying here, flying there. A business meeting here. It's all about speed, doing this, doing that. Kids are in school, pressure. He's got to sort this out, sort that out. He's, kids are in this school, that school. Employees, when you have loads of staff, you've got loads of people you have to take care of. I always say to people, what's taking care of last? Even having lots of problems. You have to pay staff. You have to pay so many things, solve so many problems. A lot of them, the use of the pressure, but is people glamorize. What is that? Yeah. He, gets a, he, he drives a sports car, he drives all these other things, but they're just temporary fixes. And the reason why he's there, not because of the sports car and the yacht, the reason why he's there, because he has every single day he's trying to better himself or he's trying to solve a problem. That's all business is solving a crazy problem. Mm. He's just determined to like be the best at this. He, he wants to be, I always say the most important thing that one thing, the difference between an entrepreneur and the difference between being a wealth manager is entrepreneur, someone's really successful, like really does a bit, they learn one skill after it and they're better than on that skill than any other person on the planet doing that one thing. They just have to do one thing really, really well, better mm-hmm. than any other person. They don't have time. The skill from a wealth manager is we know how to have diversify your asset, manage multiple and then do multiple things and then diversify and grow. It's a skill that we have that you can't do because you're, you've got that one skill, but you don't have time yeah, to do that to do and work else. on a business. So that's mm. where a wealth manager skill is. We, we understand how to diversify your asset, understand what you want, because the most important thing is, and this is what happens um, when, with, with money. What's, this is, these are the aspects of money that when you when you actually want to transfer the money and you build wealth, there's actually only four options available to you. So the first option is you can spend the money. It's a discussion you have to have. Yeah. 
The second option is can either transfer a loved one or family. That's it. That's the first. Or, or and then the, you give it away. The third option. That's it. You give it away. Either give it to charity. So you have to decide out of those three. They're the only three options that's available to you. You either spend it, transfer it to a loved one, or you give it away. Transfer it to a loved one, or you transfer it. You can put it in the trust, or it goes to a loved one. But that's it because you, there's nothing else you can do with it. So th- that's a decision that they have to work. A lot of people, I've had clients where, and this is where it's important to understand, I've had a client where have any children and he had a sister and his sister was just living a nice, normal life. Mm. And then he dies. He passes away. There's a hundred million and he's left. There's a hundred million. So we have to find, we go to the sister and we say, oh, your brother's, He's like, oh, I love my brother. He's such a nice guy. And she was like, she was pissed. She's like, why would he do that? Why would he leave me? <laughs> what the money? Imagine. I'm living a normal life. Yeah. Want, how could he do that to me? Oh, he's so ungrateful. He's still ungrateful. <laughs> That's crazy. Ungrateful. He's still an ungrateful person. He's still selfish of what we've grown up. <laughs> it's hard to. So she said, I don't want, I'm living, I'm happy with my life. I don't want the responsibility. I'm happy. I have my house. I've chance. Can you? I said, well, is I put it in the chat? What is it? You know what? Cats. I love cats. So I said, yeah, okay, we transfer it to a cat. We set up a foundation to help whatever it is. We do, we, we negotiate. I said, let me do a few other charities because, you know, she said, yeah, that's fine. We've done that. And she didn't take, she didn't even take a penny. Wow. She had a house. Her house was already bought. Not even a penny. She didn't want none of, She's just, she was actually happy with her life. And this is why I say not everyone take that a big amount of money. This is why lottery winners, if you look at lottery winners and you look at how they have after, they're broke, aren't they? Blow it. Because it's a big amount. You don't know how to manage it. It's a lot. Even when I have conversations I have to have with them is you're going to come into a certain amount of money. We need to establish what you, it's a big amount. It's a big change. So a lot of times when I say a lot of people that work their whole life, then they need to sell the company and they're going to sell it for a big amount. And then now they have to figure out what do they do because they can't work in that business anymore. Still need the money for the lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they don't know what to do. So a lot of them be like, you know what? If you sell, I need the condition that I can work, still work and grow it. I still have a responsibility. And then I can take a few days off at a certain time. So yeah. they can't stop. And this is why I say, this is where wealth manager, the trustee who comes in and says, okay, what, do you, what, what, do you, what legacy do you want to leave? What are you interested in? Okay, I was interested in changing this. Okay, let's set up a foundation. So when, when you have a foundation, the money goes to that and then you can work with your family to try and change these things. Yeah. It's tax efficient and yeah. Definitely. Um, I've, I've enjoyed this whole conversation that we've had um, and this is definitely a long episode, so I hope people get some real good value out of everything we talked about, because I think there is a lot. Um, and I definitely think that, um, yeah, that definitely once this Wealth University comes out, you said it's coming out in December, didn't you? So yeah. It's done yeah. in December. Um, mm-hmm. So when that comes out, for anyone listening, I'll make sure that, you know, I share it and do the posts and everything. But then also I'll put it, I'll put your website and stuff into the show notes as well. So people can check exactly. that out. Um, yeah. But say if there's a young black boy listening to this conversation, 
How can something that you know help them with an understanding of themselves? Um, I'd say one of the greatest times to be alive. And I'd say there are some hardships, stereotypes. But I always say it's about what you think about yourself and where you want to go. And every single person that you're meeting, it's just a game. And just treat them like dummies. Because you know where you need to go to. They don't know your, their objective. Racism is an insecurity. It's just, in, if someone's racist, they're actually insecure on themselves. So they have to put you down or put something down. So I, I say, recognize there's an insecurity. Recognize you're in the Western world. Recognize opportunity. And it doesn't matter if you're obsessed and you're willing to do whatever it takes you're going to do it because as much as we've had adversity, if we really want to discover stronger or true selves, you just have to look at what's all this stuff that happened in America. They created big industries. They're still creating billionaires. With all the adversity, the time, you want to get like bumped. But at the end of the day, have your goals and you need to find mentors. It's very important that you need a mentor and the reason why I say why I'm building one of university, it gives you mentors because what, ha- what happened to someone else might not happen to you. And everyone has their experiences. And you need to have a mentor that's able to guide you and bring out the best in you. And that doesn't have a conflict of interest because your teacher has a conflict of interest. Your professor has a conflict of interest. Even your manager at work has a conflict of interest because they don't want you to go up the ranks and take their job. Mm. So you need to find someone that wants that doesn't have a conflict of interest, and they could be any. Doesn't matter what race they are, because the only thing most people are concerned about, if you remind someone of them, flatter it, and if they, they can help you get to where you need to go to, they is an ego thing. Like, oh, I helped him get there. So you just have to find them. Find them. There's so many mental, and they're, they're out there. There's so many older people. That are so successful, they're bored. <laughs> no one reaches out to them. No, I'm telling you, they don't yeah. reach out to them. They just, they're just there. Like if someone asks them a question, yes, I can help him. I need to. So they're so they're actually accessible. You approach them, and I, and and I say you add value. Someone else's life. That's fine. And I used to pay my mentor five hundred pounds. He didn't even want the money, but I used to pay for his time. That's what I could get at the time. £500 a session because I put that on online. So I don't want to waste your time. And he was, he didn't want to take my money, but I gave him the money. I'm pay, and I always say, sometimes, yeah, a lot of people want something for free, but you're going to offer him something. So he gets some value. Even though it's, he, might not, he, he knows you've put some sweat and value to the person. Even offering him £100 or paying for dinner, you're paying for the time. So don't, don't be a freeloader all the time because a lot of people want, and I always say to this, a lot of people, they will have information that want something for free. So a lot of people, what happens is, you know you have to do it. What's successful? Because I get that interaction with you. Some people can look at something, do it, and be successful. Some people can look at something for free. Conversion rate for people that have things for free is very low than the person who pays for it. So I always say, you're always paying. That you pay. There's nothing free in this, in this world. So if you have a bit of money, just pay for someone's time. 
Like mm. you can often, and no one ever turns down money. Even <laughs> about how much money, True. Even, even if I get a certain amount, if someone said, it's just a hundred pounds, and someone said, I'm going to pay me a hundred pounds, okay, at least I've got a hundred pounds. I might just yeah. do something with you, but not saying no to the money because it's like, okay, I appreciate my time. So save for someone's time, find the person, LinkedIn, we're in the best time in the world because they're all on LinkedIn. Every single person is on LinkedIn. You just need to figure out a way, think out of the box. And I'm going to give you a secret. This is a secret. And someone might do this. And this is how I would do it. If I was, this is what I would do. I would say, I would set up a project. I'm doing a project on, I want to study habits of people that are reasonably to be successful. And I have these 10 questions I ask, and I want to see if there's a correlation between mm. different times or whether it's this. And I would just go, I would message them. And if I want to do this project, I'll give you the results of where you fit in on it. If it just takes a bit of time, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. I might even offer them a fee to do the project. Yeah. And then I will sit down with them. I'll have 10 questions and I'll ask them about their successes, their life story, let them talk. And I'll gather this data. And, and it's, it's actually good for data collection. And then everyone's contact. I'm going to give them the, the results. And then you've got a mentor there. You say, this project was, well, this is what I'm meant to do. Bam, 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 bam. Done. And you've got the contact. You're, you're actually now using it as research because it's valuable information. Yeah. And, time. and you're getting a time for a project and it's contact. Or you have a podcast, same thing. But you say, we just want to interview successful people. We're trying to figure out is there a correlation between this, this and that. Figure out a topic. It's yeah. fine. That's it. And, you, and you're good to go. Or you message them on LinkedIn. Figure out a message. Figure out a formula. Message people that are reasonable see if you get a response. Go through gatekeepers, but figure it out. You know, if you know he, he eats at that place, go and find him, go and stop it. The amount of times I stopped someone and just said to them, even my Russian, I just stopped him at a hotel. I said, Look, this is what I want to do. Bam, 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 bam. I'll have a bit of time because it's just, just 20 minutes dinner. I'll pay for dinner. It's fine. And he, the hunger, he was like, You know, it's fine. Pay for dinner. Bam. I said, How I can add value to his life because yeah. I can give you this. Yeah. Value, value, value. Then, I, then, I, then there's a question when I ask him, he asks me what's doing. I'll tell him my problem. Sometimes I tell him oh, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with doing this deal. And he'll just look at me like, no, don't worry, just keep going. Don't give up. It's only that, that. And things I used to worry about never used to happen. So mm. you just need to just, you'll be fine. And, and also, hang around with similar people like yourself that are ambitious. And it's all about a team. And I say sometimes, if you can't be someone, you can join them. And, I'll, I'll give you an example. This is a really good thing if, if guys fall like this today because I used to do it with my friends and I thought about it. People watch this show called Love Island, yeah? Mm-hmm. And they love this show. What if we live in a house our setup's important? Guys that are like you, similar to you, all, let's say you all train, you all go gym. And actually now, there's the power of economies of scale where if you really want to buy a house, you have to have this, you all have to have this mindset though. And it has to be, the contract has to be tight. Mm. But you're going to say, we're going to do a contract. We're going to put all our income together. House, we're going to live this life. We're going to put income together. We're going to share resources. So there's four of you. Let's say there's four of you on 25,000 pounds a year. There's a hundred grand. And you're going to split. You're going to say, we're going to split our salary. Let's say we can do 500 pounds a month. Well, let's say five or, or three of us, maybe two of us, that's a grand a month. Mm. We're going to share, we're going to rent a place. We're going to share the bills. You could even say, car, oh, we're going to get two cars but we're going to share it together. We're all in this together. 
great lifestyle with your friends and you're all working hard and you're sharing the cross, you get there and you can all network, you're all in each other's leverage. And if you all do that together, it's easier than by yourself. So sometimes people want to be individual, just find someone, but it's similar to yourself. You have to be, and if you're both the same person and all those resources, you can just grow and get there. Yeah. So find someone, mentor, or if you have a brother or a sister, easier. Because I hate when I see brothers and they don't want to work together. It's the work together with my brothers all the time. But they need something, I'll donate. If they, I need something, they donate. It's not even a question. It's like, okay, it's yeah. fine. So family member, cousin, but you have to have that relationship. Similar goals, you could do it. Bro, 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 bro. So yeah, thank you very much, Vincent, um, for coming on to the podcast. Um, I really enjoyed talking to you. Um, and I look forward to connecting with you in the future as well. Fantastic. Yeah, thank you so much. And yeah, uh, everyone enjoy this episode. And yeah, thank you for having me. I hope there's a lot learned, a lot of speaking. I think I've gone through half a bottle of water. <laughs> <Happy>. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Thank you very much. Um, and yeah, I hope you have a good day, Vincent. So guys, that is the end of the episode. Thank you very much for getting to the end of this episode. I realize that this has probably been one of my longest conversations to date. I think it is my longest conversation to date. So I really appreciate you sticking with it and for listening to the whole thing. And I really hope you guys got some good nuggets of information from Vincent. If you want to find out more about Wealth University, I'm going to put it into, I'm going to put the link into the show notes. And if you want to find out more about Vincent, I'm also going to put his links into the show notes too. So you can go and check those out. Out. and I wanted to just give a little notice I guess um, I'm gonna start releasing these episodes um, my Friday episode is still gonna say it's still gonna be Friday but I'm gonna be releasing them at 9am in the morning instead of 5pm just so everyone's got more time to listen to them throughout their day so um, I hope you guys enjoy that change and maybe it gives you more time to listen to the episode so thank you very much for listening to this episode please go and check out my website www.black blackandroll.co.uk and go and check me out on socials at blackandroll at everything so thank you very much guys and we will talk soon